Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guest is JMO, organizer and lead campaign strategist for MCU. We'll be talking today about MCU's upcoming training session on powerfully engaging with boards and commissions. Uh, welcome, JMO. It's good to see you again. Thanks. Good to see you, Kevin. So let's just start with some of the basic details. Uh, when and where is the training taking place and who is invited and, and how do they participate? Well, the training is online uh, and uh, there's a registration link, you know, that, that we are making available in our electronic newsletters uh, and in our social media. Uh, and uh, it's from seven to um, probably no later than 830, might end a little earlier than that. We'll see how many you know, when we have kind of a question and answer opportunity, we'll see how many people have some questions. Uh, but uh, uh, September 8th uh, from 7 to 8.30-ish. Uh, and um, uh, we look we look forward to uh, interested people and in, uh, congregations becoming a part of it. Um, there will be a certain environmental justice focus around how to follow up on the implementation of the Get the Lead Out of School Water Act uh, and then also on uh, following up with the Department of Natural Resources about our petition about air quality. So uh, green teams or other kind of uh, care creation circles, whatever congregations call their group that cares about topics like climate change, uh, becoming carbon neutral, energy efficiency, um, in, um, uh, safe, affordable, decent housing. You know, folks that are uh, in that sphere uh, should show up. Uh, but also those that have been involved in the Break the Pipeline uh, campaign around juvenile justice, uh, those that fought against the critical uh, race theory um, uh, bills, uh, this last legislative session, uh, and those who care about topics like banning books, um, uh, you know, disciplinary policies in schools, et cetera. A, a lot of the same skills and techniques are going to work um, no matter what your topic is. Uh, so um, we want, you know, those that are interested and, and not just um, kind of like sitting at home complaining, but coming out organized with other people to make change that actually improves policy and improves the quality of life in our region. Uh, uh, hopefully everybody listening says, hey, that's me. I want to be there. Uh, and, uh, and we'll sign up using the, the links in our, our electronic communication. And It's also not just an MCU hosted event. We have partners in this. So who's partnering with us in this event? We will be working with uh, Sierra Club on this, with the Water Institute at St. Louis University, and with Great Rivers Environmental Law. Uh, the Water Institute and Great Rivers Environmental Law will make, uh, make sure that folks understand uh, why lead in our water is dangerous and, and why we have to do something about it. Uh, and, and that um, even though the law that we passed, uh, that, that Governor Parsons signed into law, says that schools only have to take action if their water tested above five parts per billion. That's just not good enough. Schools need to shoot for the gold standard, the, the better standard, which is pediatricians say it needs to be one part per billion or less because there's no level of lead uh, that is safe. So uh, 
we can make choices to get down to one part per billion, and they're going to help us know what to say to our schools about that uh, as, as we engage with them. Uh, and then the Sierra Club uh, has done a whole lot of work already in, in uh, engaging with the Air Conservation Commission, the Water Commission, uh, you know, other official parts of the Department of Natural Resources. Uh, and they're going to just share the witness, uh, the, the witness and the wisdom of, of having done that over time. What do they know that works? Uh, and um, hopefully they'll help people get over that fear of, I just don't know enough to do this. You know, I need to be smarter. I got to study the science. Well, our goal is not to be uh, content er uh, uh, area experts. There are, you know, uh, scientists and academics and uh, lawyers, you know, out there that will bring those voices into the testimony. Uh, we as residents of, of the region need to be able to bring our voices as people who experience health problems, who have loved ones who have experienced health problems, uh, who've uh, had a real challenge uh, finding uh, safe, affordable housing that doesn't have hazards like uh, like mold or uh, uh, raw sewage, you know, things that, that people face, uh, infestation of insects and, 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 and uh, rodents. You know, there, there are stories that people need to hear about that are about real life lived experience that we need to bring into the room uh, and that can be very, very powerful when that happens. One of the, um, uh, the topics that some of our communities of faith uh, talk about quite a bit is incarnation, you know, the, the notion that, uh, that spirit takes on flesh. Uh, we, we can bring um, the, the values of, of, our, uh, of our embodied selves into these spaces and get, uh, get the conversation to go way deeper uh, than it than it would if they they stay in a real you know technical gar jargon kind of place like some of these meetings can be until we bring the life of the community into those gatherings. I think that's something we saw last spring with testimony at the state house on issues as far as uh, banning the teaching of of uh, truth and history and yes. and 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 banning. Um, uh, services and acceptance of of transgender students was parents showed up and parents told their story and right. that made it a lot harder to yep. legislate against. Um, it it wasn't stats; it was my student, and then tell tell the story. So that that's, right. that's, that's an right. important uh, thing to remember, isn't it? That, that's right. And uh, uh, you know, recently MCU delivered more than three hundred signatures on petitions to the Air Conservation Commissioners when they were meeting here in St. Louis. And during that presentation, DeAndres Green, who'd spoken uh, at our Clean Air Rally on July 23rd, uh, you know, said, I was hospitalized and I'm convinced it was poor air, air quality that sent me there. And she said, I'm, and I'm having shortness of breath today too, you know? Uh, right. And so there she was, you know, being, uh, being a living example in the room of, of what it is we were talking about. And, and that just matters so much. So the, the timing of this particular training is tied to those environmental efforts. Is that correct? Well, in part, and also the new school year is here. And so uh, uh, the law about get the lead out of school water uh, doesn't go into effect until the 2023-2024 the, uh, school year because schools have to get ready for it. Right now, they're, they're starting the work of doing an inventory of all this, the outlets that produce drinking water or cooking water in their schools. And so this is the ideal time to start visiting with those schools and to say, you know, we're aware that this new law is passed. We work to get that law passed. We want to protect the people that work at this school and the students at this school. 
from uh, from un- from unsafe water, uh, and there are choices that 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 you will be needing to make, you know, because of this new law. And we just want to help you make the very best choice uh, to to go beyond the letter of the law uh, to the spirit of the law, which is how do we really protect children and, and take it seriously too. This is that's right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That this is not just one more thing to check off your list, but this this is a chance for. Uh, for schools to invest in the, the, the future health and welfare of a generation of kids and, and also protect their staff. You know, uh, I, I have met someone before who lost a baby because of drinking of, of, well, it wasn't water, actually. They were exposed to lead paint. So it was lead, but it wasn't water. But they had a miscarriage because of that. And, and so, um, you know, you have sometimes a, have a pregnant teacher who, who may indeed have a health problem. Uh, because of the water that they're exposed to in a school, you never know. Uh, so uh, the um, uh, the the health and welfare of each person at that school matters, and and the choices uh, that that the the folks who will be testing the water sources and then deciding what to do about the test results. You know, how do we implement based on what we learn? Uh, we want them to make the very best choices that they can. So what, what's kind of going to be the format for the training and what kind of topics or activities are, are folks going to participate in? Well, there'll be a brief segment that's to understand the dangers of lead and, and uh, what you need to say to schools about the choices that they're going to make related to filters. Like, how do you describe what kind of filter works, you know? Um, so we'll, we'll offer some technical language that could come into that conversation around how do you describe filters that can get you to 1% and maybe some examples from other school school districts that have made those choices. Like we know Washington DC schools have done a pretty good job of getting the lead out of their water. So we're going to offer um, that will be the part from uh, St. Louis University uh, Water Institute and Great Rivers. They'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll have, you know, just a general section from Sierra Club on working with boards and commissions. Uh, uh, some of the things that they found to be uh, true what makes you effective uh, in, in, in presenting. And then uh, the MCU piece will be to talk about how this, how this all fits in the campaigns we're already conducting. Uh, we are trying to get the Get the Lead Out of School Water Act implemented right. You know, once you win a law, you're not done. You don't just get to like, you know, pop the champagne cork and throw the confetti in the air and it's over. Then the implementation phase happens and you want to make sure that your law is implemented right. So uh, we're trying to help our congregations be leaders in good implementation uh, so that the, the law does what we wanted the law to do. Uh, and, uh, and then we're, we're not done fighting about uh, clean air. Uh, we think that the permits process, is, it's, it's not engaged with the public in the, in the way that it should be. There isn't enough voices from the community in the process. Uh, and... Uh, it's not set up to be uh, um, reality-based. Uh, right now, you know, they post that, that this permit is under consideration. Uh, they post it on their website, and I think it's probably also published in something called the Missouri Register. And so you have 30 days to comment, but your average Missourian just doesn't find out about that kind of thing. You know, people near a, a, a source of pollution uh, you know, maybe a new permit or a modified permit is going to be offered. People that are near there need to be need to get like a notice at their house, you know, not in some obscure journal out there uh, online somewhere. They need to get a notice saying there's going to be a hearing and it's going to be in the neighborhood and it's going to be set up at a 
a place that you can get to, you know, by public transportation, uh, and, and that it will be, you know, accessible for people with disabilities. And then if you need an interpreter, we, the interpretive services will be available. Let's make it truly open to the public to come and share their concerns. And let's start that meeting with um, an environmental analysis that talks about health disparities that are already present in the community and whether there already are other polluting permits that have been issued and what the cumulative effect of adding some more would be. You know, if you're already allowing two or three companies to permit to, to pollute in a, in, a, in a zip code, what's it going to mean that you're going to add another one? You know, and, and, you know, what's the proposed volume coming out of that particular new polluter uh, and, and, and how will that all interact together? So it's important to analyze those things. Uh, and we really ought to allow 90 days for comment instead of 30, because sometimes when people, uh, you know, when the, when the folks that are kind of like used to doing this kind of environmental uh, advocacy uh, see that, sometimes they have to uh, request some documents. There's a, something called the sunshine law, right? So you have to write off and you have to say, I need to see, you know, copies of, um, you know, for example, uh, previous water testing that you've done. You know, I, I want to see what what your school has already found out. Well, it, it takes longer than 30 days to get an answer to that kind of thing. So we need 90 days so that that if they kind of stonewall you about your answers, you know, usually what happens is they say, oh, there's 600 pages of document and then it's going to cost X amount to get that done. Right. <laughs> and then you're, you're like, ah, I can't afford that. And, and then you, you like, you know, you're right back and you say, um, I'm just, a, you know, a, a simple member of a local congregation. We don't have that kind of funds. And, and uh, you know, sure, surely you have a, a way to make those available to us a different way that won't, won't, co won't cost that kind of money. So uh, often you can either get it reduced or get it waived entirely, but it takes a while to advocate those things. And it's, it takes longer than 30 days. 90 days would allow us to do the sunshine law dance that has to be done in order to comment in an informed manner on some things that we, that we want to comment about that is truly about our health. So, and that gets to um, sort of the idea that, you know, before going before a border commission, you need to do your homework. And so what, what types of things, so people have identified a group of people have identified a problem in their community. What's sort of the first steps a group should take before uh, just showing up at a border commission? Well, as I said, not everybody has to be a content area expert. Not everybody is going to write to do that sunshine law thing, but we, you know, we want you to be uh, networked in with a with a mighty group of people. You know, not not going it alone, not not being a lone ranger, uh, but working with others. That's what Metropolitan Congregations United is about. We can achieve together things that we can't uh, achieve by by working alone. So it would be great if people were actually uh, sending their green team members to attend our environmental justice task force meetings on the second Tuesday night of each each month at six thirty. Um, so, so that they know, you know, which border commission we're interacting with, what the messages are that we're carrying there, what the opportunities are for support. You know, maybe we're doing a petition or some kind of a sign-on letter uh, that that you can then go back to your congregation and ask others to sign on. That way, we're able to take a, a lot of a lot of names with us, the voices of a lot of people into the meeting. the 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 main thing is around homework is to get clear on you know what what campaign it is that we're conducting what our overall goal is what the timelines are uh you know in the case of this water quality uh, i'm sorry air quality 
uh, issue that we just engaged with the air conservation commissioners with, you've done a power analysis. So you, you make the demand of who has the power to give you what you want. So you, that's part of what you do the research on. Who has the power to give us what we want? So in that power analysis, then you address your demand to that person. Then you name what you want to have done. Uh, here's what we want done. And you give them a timeline. So uh, when DeAndre Green and Jenny Schrappen, our spokespersons before the Air Conservation Commission, um, made their, the demands of the petition at that recent meeting here in the St. Louis area, they said, we'd like a reply by your September meeting. So that they meet again in September. Uh, and we, we'd like a, a reply by that date. So uh, you name who can give you what you want, you name what you want done, you give them the deadline. Uh, and uh, sometimes you'll talk about consequences too. You know, if we don't get what we want, here's, here's what will happen. Uh, or if we do get what we want, here's, here's what, will, what, what will happen. Uh, but uh, that didn't seem to be uh, an appropriate thing to bring into, into that meeting quite yet. We'll, we'll see how they respond. And, and then we may have to name some consequences. Like you're late. <laughs> right, right, right. So when you get to that meeting, and, and you can even use uh, the action that you had this week as an example, and it's it's time to speak. Uh, uh, the, the one or two times I've done that is it's always a bit Im- intimidating. Your heart rate starts going fast. Um, you know, any advice for when it's time to stand up and speak up and, and how, how a person gets through that? You know, often we say there's only three reasons to have a a meeting at MCU, you know, one is to plan an action, two, two is to do the action, and three is to evaluate the action, right? Mm-hmm. So so um, we didn't just all randomly, you know, show up down there. We actually rehearsed that meeting. Um, so so we had a, a, a session this week where, where we went over it. The people that were going to be our spokespersons recited their, their speech in advance, you know, what they're going to say. This pre-meeting was real thorough to make sure that people knew what to expect. There was a picture of what the building was going to look like, you know, in the, in the, the pre-planning, because it, it's a little hard to find that building. Uh, that state office building isn't clearly labeled. It's off, you know, it's behind the Hooters off to the side of a Home Depot, but it's not labeled at all. You have to look for the fact that there's a U.S. flag and a Missouri state flag flying in front of it to kind of like, no, it's a state office building. There's nothing on that building. I'm not sure what that's about, whether that's a security feature or what, but you would not know it was a state office building if it were not for the fact that there are government flags uh, out in front of it. So uh, we had a picture of the building. Uh, we had, you know, tips for people about how do folks usually dress at this kind of a meeting. We, we you know, we kind of overshared to make sure that people felt uh, confident. We're going to meet at this time. We're going to walk in together. Uh, we have two people that are going to be our spokespersons, uh, and and there'll be a point in in what they say, where they ask us all to stand and show support. Here's the look that we're going to have on our faces when we stand together, because, you know, our job isn't to look friendly, you know, our job is to look firm and determined, you know, so, so we, we had rehearsed exactly how we were going to do that uh, in advance to be ready for it. Uh, and, and then we went outside and we evaluated it after the meeting was over to uh, give everybody, a, you know, a chance to say how they felt about how we did. Well, what can we say about the folks that were our, our spokespersons uh, to help them maybe uh, do a good job uh, next time, a better job next time, and to thank them for the good job that they, they really did. And we were very, very proud of the job that our spokespersons did. They were fierce. They were very good. Uh, and, uh, you know, were there some, some tensions that emerged that, that are instructive for us? And what did we learn from the experience? And what do we want to do next? You know, what's next? So, 
part of the job of MCU as organizers is to is to help everybody be ready for something so that they know what's what's coming, uh, and then uh, how to how do we uh, improve uh, each time through what we learned from the last one. So uh, one of the things I'm picking up too is is the the strength that comes from being in community. Um, Definitely. That yeah. that doing things in community and being prepared ahead of time really goes a long way to to an effective action like this. That's right. That's right. And one of the best things that can happen in our congregations is for members of those congregations to have one to one conversations with each other to to discover who has passions on some of the topics that we're working on and can be brought into the work. So all of our congregations could be thinking like organizers and building, you know, power within their congregation to show up together and, and, and have, um, you know, powerful public meetings that, that hold elected and appointed officials uh, accountable uh, to do the mission of their, of their particular role. Okay. And that follow-up is so key too. So what, what kind of next steps, uh, once you've said your piece, you need to then keep in contact with that, that border commission then, right? Yeah, we, we did let them know at the Air Conservation Commission that this would not be the last time that we visited, that that uh, 14 of our congregations are hosting air quality monitors right now, and we'll be bringing the data from those monitors to those meetings so that the voice of the public is heard. How, how was how was that petition received by the commission? How did things go at at the uh, at the meeting with the uh, Department of Natural Resources? Well, we tried to uh, guess in advance what all the possible scenarios would be, so that so that our spokespeople could respond appropriately, no matter uh, what they said. Uh, and we got we got the one that was our number one guess of what would happen, which was just politely receiving the petitions, thanking folks uh, for it. Uh, and that, and that was it. Uh, uh, you know, basically, our spokespeople said, "Here's the petition with over 300 signatures. We recognize it'll t- take time for you to 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 read it and to 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 respond. And we'd like a response by your September meeting." And they just, you know, took the petitions and said, "Thank you." And that was it. And that was kind of what our guess was going to be. Uh, we thought there was some chance that they would have read the petition in advance and give us some answer like, you know, according to statute so-and-so, that cannot be done. You know, you know, we thought that they might offer some some refusal that was grounded in how they interpret current statutes or something. And uh, in that case, we were prepared to say, we'd like that in writing by your September meeting, because we wanted to be able to study what they said and bring some attorneys into it to see if we agreed with them, you know, what is their objection and are they right? So we were prepared with that, but we didn't need that. So <laughs> that might be next month. It could be, we'll see. <laughs> Was there any discussion about um, any other reactions that might happen like them, you know, calling security and asking you to leave or anything along those lines? Well, we we had let them know in, in advance at, at DNR that our intention was to deliver the the petition and to enter into a dialogue with them about it. You know, their tone their tone in the in the communication led us to believe that kind of thing wouldn't happen. The optics of that are not good. You know, they 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 want to appear to be. You know, the reason they move those meetings around they they have them in you know Kansas City, Springfield, Kansas, uh, 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 Hannibal. You know, they they move it around to different regions of the state. And, uh, you know, the, the claim is they're trying to make the meetings accessible to the public and 
and and show that they're that they know that they're a statewide agent agency with duties to the to the whole state. So you don't want to kick people out, you know, at that that kind of a meeting. Uh, we we would have to behave in a in a way that sort of violates the rules to bring that down, and that wasn't our intention. Our intention was to to, to be there and to comment during the part of the meeting where we could comment and to do that in a powerful way by standing uh, united. So we, we didn't anticipate that. What we did anticipate was if if they if they had some answer to say no, we can't do it. We wanted it in writing, but if they uh, if they asked us something or or made some type of a their own demand toward us that we weren't quite sure what to do about it in the moment that our spokespersons would say, we need a moment to talk among ourselves and that we might actually step out of the room together, huddle in the hallway and then come back in and give an answer. So we, we were prepared to, uh, to take our own a moment to, uh, to decide what to say, you know, in order to be faithful to, to your own group and, and to hear the voices of those that are involved in making the decision about how to respond, you have to have some time to discuss it. So that, that was the other thing we were ready for is if we didn't get the polite response uh, or a legalese kind of response, that the third thing we would do is to say, we need a moment, we'll be right back and to step out together. So. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. So this has been a, a busy uh, uh, time for MCU, and we've got more stuff coming up this fall. Uh, what are some other actions and activities that that are on the horizon for MCU? Well, we're very excited that uh, we will be having a candidate forum in Senate District 24 uh, on uh, Thursday night, September the 22nd, uh, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Ethical Society, 9001 Clayton Road. Uh, Senate District 24 uh, is a district that's been served by Senator Jill Shoup, but she's term limited out. So it's uh, what you call an open seat. And uh, the lines have been redrawn. Um, it's a big district that goes from Maryland Heights on the north on down around to Fenton, uh, coming down through like Ledoux and a slightly kind of curved pattern. And um, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a big district. Uh, and Folks rate this as one of the only competitive races uh, in the whole state for a state Senate seat. There's 34 Senate seats, half of them uh, run for re-election, you know, every two years. And uh, so of, of the ones that are running this time, this is one where we don't know what party will win. So we have sent invitations to all three candidates. There's a Democratic candidate, a Republican candidate, and a Libertarian candidate. We've heard back so far from two of those candidates that they're coming. We have heard from the third one finally and did hear yesterday, well, we are double booked for that evening, but let's see what we can do. So we don't have um, a thorough answer from that candidate yet, but but uh, it looks like at least two of the three candidates will be there and hopefully all three of them will be there. The theme of this evening is um, our values, our voices, our votes, uh, and this will be an opportunity to hear the candidates uh, address um, a variety of questions about priorities to MCU, but then also uh, from the audience, uh, we'll, we'll collect uh, questions on three to five cards and kind of combine them. And, you know, if it turns out there's, you know, several about um, school policy, we'll try to combine those. Uh, if there are several, several questions about tax policy or uh, about uh, affordable housing, we'll, we'll try to not be redundant, but ask, you know, make sure all the topics get covered and that questions that are similar kind of get rolled into one so that there's a, a variety of topics that get, get covered in the 
in the evening. So uh, that's how we're we're going to, to carry that out. And we want people uh, to come. We will we will appreciate that because we want to we want to pack the room. You know, part of what you want to do with an event like that is for whoever wins that election to go away with the memory that oh that candidate forum that Metropolitan Congregations United had that was a, a, a really good one. There were a lot of people there. Uh, when, when they contact me in the future, I need to be sure and answer their calls because they're watching. You know, and we've demonstrated that we're people that that are active, informed, and engaged. Okay, great. Anything else coming up? Well, in October, we'll also have another public meeting. We don't have that all nailed down yet. Tentatively, the name of that one is uh, Look Up and Live. And there's kind of a double thing going on with that. Uh, One is there's this story uh, in the Hebrew scripture, the book of Numbers, about the Hebrew children have left Egypt, right? They fled from, from oppression, and they uh, have managed to get into a situation where they are being bitten by snakes. You remember this story? Mm-hmm. And Moses puts a snake up on a pole. People have to look up at the snake on the pole in order to be saved from these snakes that are biting them. Sounds like a magical story. Uh, but uh, the truth that I take away from that story is you, you can't overcome things that you're unwilling to face reality about. If you're being bitten by a snake, you need to admit you're being bitten by a snake, you know? So um, there's... Uh, um, a whole lot of examples we could give, you know, clearly if you have an addiction problem, you have to admit it. You have to say, I've got an addiction problem. You got to face where we are. So this look up and live uh, is in part, can we face the reality of where we are? What's harming our communities? What could be done about it? Uh, But the other thing is uh, some people have seen a little movie called Don't Look Up. (laughs) It was kind of about how we deny climate change. And in this case, in the movie, there's a meteor headed toward the earth. Uh, and some people's solution to that is just don't look up. You know, once you can start to see it, well, just don't look at it. You know, um, so uh, we're we're trying to get people to basically um, face the fact that if if we're we're going to have the change that we need to 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 have, we have to all face reality together, and we need to talk about the reality of where we are. Uh, so that's the theme for the evening. But people from all levels uh, of of campaigns, from the federal level. U.S. Senate, uh, U.S. congressional seats, state rep districts, state Senate districts. We'll invite every candidate that we that we can find contact information for to show up at this thing, hear us talk about our take on the reality that we ought to face together, and then we'll ask them to answer some specific questions. That's that's our goal for this event. Uh, it hasn't all come together yet, uh, so I can't announce a, a, a time, but I can announce the theme that we're trying to build. Uh, which is um, uh, look up and live. Okay, great. We will definitely keep everyone posted and I'm sure we'll have another program uh, about those events as, as yeah. we get closer to them. Yeah. Later, we'll also you know, be having a, an, an, another issue summit like we had last year that helped us pick some things that we wanted to focus on this year. That'll probably happen in, in uh, um, November or December. Uh, we've started to look at some dates on that. We We partly have to negotiate around some things that are in place with our national network, Gamaliel. Uh, the Race and Power Institute is happening in Baltimore from November 30th to December 3rd. Uh, so we have to not get in conflict with, with those dates. Uh, and um, uh, so we'll be announcing that uh, just a little bit later as well. Uh, we usually have a year-end sustainer event to invite people to invest in us so that we can be good and strong. So uh, lots of good things will be coming up toward the end of the year, and, and we invite people to stay in touch with us about that. Okay, great. Uh, that will probably uh, wrap us up for today. 
I want to thank my guest today, JMO, uh, the organizer and lead campaign strategist for MCU. If you are ready to join us in the work for justice in St. Louis, uh, contact us at 314-367-3484 or shoot an email to office at mcustl.com. To learn more about MCU, go to our website at mcustlewis.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.